Welcome to the Do You Have Space podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode three. I am Brian. And I'm Arielle. And today we are going to explore the idea and practice of softening. Um, Arielle's got a lot of stuff that she's been chewing on around that recently that we're going to get into. Um, and yeah, so we talk about softening really as this this practice of seeing how we respond and react to certain situations, maybe from a place of more harshness uh, than perhaps is is required based on knowing that we're safe in the current situation and seeing an opportunity to find was underneath this fear that I might be feeling and can I find a place of softness to respond with? Um, and there's a lot of nuance within that as always, but yeah, we're just going to explore that a little bit. And so, yeah, Ariel, do you want to, you want to kick off how, how you kind of have entered into this and what you found inspiring to explore it further? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been exploring, oh my goodness, excuse me. <clears throat> I've been exploring lately the idea of softening um, and really a larger process of self-inquiry around the divine feminine and um, more on that for another episode. But today I really want to talk about what I've learned in my own process um, with softening. And all, all of this really started for me um, by reading a quote by Pema Chodron that really just... Um, just stayed with me. I'm going to read it now to kind of kick things off. She says, there is a teaching that says behind all hardening and tightening and rigidity of the heart, there's always fear. But if you touch fear, behind fear, there is a soft spot. And the notion that there could be these layers to our experience really just stood out to me. And um, I had been reading one of Dr. Mark Epstein's books where he talks a lot about koans uh, within Zen Buddhism, these sort of paradoxical little phrases or little poems sometimes that are really meant to provoke um, some thoughtful insight. Mm -hmm. um, and so these koans aren't, aren't just meant to be sort of read and then, oh, that's nice, and then forgotten. They're really meant to be sort of chewed on and um, sort of said to our subconscious in a way to let, let it percolate there and see digested. what... Yeah, and to see what might come about when that's digested. And so um, when I read this Pema Chodron quote, it kind of stood or stuck with me in that way. I, I kept sort of hearing it play over in my mind and... Um, over a few days, just noticed it coming up and um, was just kind of examining it here and there with some curiosity. And in the process of examining that that quote and really chewing on it um, for a few days, I eventually sort of thought to myself, wow, this, I wonder if I could almost apply this in a very practical way to my own experiences. So like if I encounter a moment of, as she mentions, rigidity, um, tension, frustration, anxiety, anything that I would sort of categorize within that uh, realm, could I ask myself, is there a fear below this? As, as she says, there always is. So I thought, well, if there always is, could I find that fear? Could I locate that fear for myself? And then if I could locate the fear, could I locate the soft place below that? And the idea of a soft spot or a soft place below all of that felt really abstract in a way, kind of like the koans, like um, they're meant to be sort of paradoxical riddles. Like there is no answer to them. Like what does a soft spot behind fear even mean? Like it just, it felt very abstract in a way. Um, but again, it kind of piqued my curiosity. And so I, um, I thought, well, I'll just give that a try. I'll see what happens if I, um, apply that to my experience. And so what I started doing was anytime I noticed that um, any sort of anxiety or rigidity, um, anything that caused my physical body, like an emotional response 
or an experience or something that was said to me that caused a physical tensing of some sort, I was like, oh, this is it. That's kind of that, that rigidity or that tensing or that frustration or like an anxiety. So I would pause and sort of close my eyes and ask myself, okay, what fear is underlying this sort of tense, protective, physical almost response to whatever I'm experiencing? And I was really surprised the first time I tried that. And every time I've tried it since then, when I pause to say, wait, what fear is below this? Something always comes up. It's very easy for me to identify the fear below that. And then when I can identify that fear, to meet that with some compassion, like, oh, that's, yeah, that sounds a little scary. Like whatever fear that is, is reasonable. And then when I got to that fear and, and gave it some understanding, some compassion, I would then ask myself, okay, where's the soft spot below this? And again, that felt very abstract to me. I was like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. But as soon as I would ask myself that, what's the soft spot below this fear? Again, something comes up immediately, usually below the fears underlying a sort of soft desire. Um, so for example, if I'm, if I'm, I don't know, if I receive some sort of interaction with someone that doesn't make me feel good, that maybe feels uncomfortable, maybe what they said hurts or something like that, that might cause like a sort of like a protective tense expression in my physical body. And if I say, okay, what's the fear below that? Well, the fear below that is that this person that I care about might not care about me. The fear is that we would be disconnected. Okay, what's the soft place below that? I really want to be the connected to the people that I care mm -hmm. about. I really want to be loved by, and I want to love the people that I care about. That soft place tells me so much more, gives me so much more information to work with, is so much more interesting, and to me feels so much more beautiful than whatever anxiety, rigidity, tenseness in the body was happening up here. Not to say that that's uninteresting or like not beautiful in and of itself, but it's like, oh, can I dig the layers below that to find the soft place underneath and to um, see how that, how being anchored and grounded in that soft place might change the way that I then interact with this person or at the very least that I might interact with myself based on that experience. Um, and it turns out it's much, much, it's much more pleasant to find that soft place mm -hmm. and, and engage mm -hmm. with myself or with someone else from, from that place. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of how the process started. Yeah. Did you, I, I'm curious with the Pima Chodron quote, did you come across that and was there any sort of, we'll just say intuitive resonance that it sort of rang a, a soft bell and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Something feels a little sticky about this in a good way. Or was it something that maybe felt more intellectually curious mm. that you then were wondering, okay, how might I apply this to my own life? You know, was there, was there something, was there something inside that was sort of saying yes, or did it just kind of unfold through the practice of digging? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Brian always asks me questions that point me back to my own intuition, which I love. And I think we should all do for each other. It's, it's such a lovely thing to, to be pointed back to ourselves. Um, let me think about that. Yeah. I think something about it definitely resonated intuitively. Um, the place, when I, when I feel reactive, out of that rigid, anxious, angry, protective place, it doesn't feel good. And I don't mean that it doesn't feel good and like it's uncomfortable, like all of this is uncomfortable. So I don't mean like, oh, it's uncomfortable, I, it doesn't feel good, I don't wanna do that. But there's something about acting out of anxiety, acting out of protective defensiveness, acting out of like even anger, um, that doesn't, like it feels like it forces me to be a part of like a version of myself or an act a part of myself that isn't my truest self. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to say that like we can't respond with anger or like, you know, some, there are times when we do need to stand up for ourselves. There are times when vocalizing our anger is really healthy. So I'm not demonizing those things, but generally speaking, 
like coming into that rigidity and that tense place um, doesn't evoke what feels like the truest version of myself. And so hearing this notion of like underneath all of that is like a softness. Mm. I was like, something in me was like, can we go there? Can we find out where that is? Because it feels like that might feel more like my truest self. Like I might be able to embody a more true version of myself. Mm -hmm. So, and then there was a, an intellectual curiosity. I think I've learned in in my own process of self-study and um, even in, in learning um, about Buddhist philosophy, a lot of these quotes aren't, I mean, they're beautiful, right? Like a lot of the quotes that I read by Pema Chodron specifically are just like lovely and mm -hmm. so um, encouraging. But I've also learned that like a lot of these teachings, like if you can pause and dig in intellectually, like there's a lot more there to like be found. So there was that component, but there first and foremost was an intuitive reaction that was like, what about this soft place underneath it all? That feel something about that felt intuitively sort of right mm -hmm. and made me curious. Yeah, that's that's so that's so fascinating to me because I feel like the more that we sort of dig into this inner work or get familiar with our own internal worlds and yeah. how we're responding to things and increasing our awareness of what it is to be me as a human, right? My experience of being human and sort of looking back at my life and thinking about how those situations and my learned, kind of unconsciously learned responses to those situations still linger and play out today. Mm. Um, where the context in which uh, I'm using those responses is very different than it was however long ago, as right. you're saying. Right? We, we, we talk about this a lot, but we build up this way of being in the world right um and that is dependent on a number of things that is constantly shifting yeah um and so when we think about this reaction or a response really that comes from a, a stance of uh like a harshness or rigidity or a tensing um as we've said at one point that that was something that you kind of needed to mm. protect yourself mm -hmm. or keep yourself safe or make sure that you were heard. It's it's a sort of a shell that we establish mm -hmm. that serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. And then as we grow and as we find new relationships and, and find ourselves in new situations where objectively we can say, yes, I do feel safer here. Yeah. We don't need that shell anymore. Yeah. And so doing a little digging to find, well, is this really the way that I would like to respond to this? And getting a little curious and kind of seeing what is underneath that? Like, yeah. Why do I have this shell? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think it's, it's interesting to sort of, to sort of investigate how I respond. Cause yeah. even from my own experience, I, it's funny because that is not, I mean, I have my own sense of rigidity or resistance. <laughs> you, of all people, will know this. Um, but, <laughs> the way, but the way it expresses itself and manifests itself is very different. And it, right. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's kind of this like harshness or kind of a more masculine embodiment. It, it's more right. of a, some degree of a passivity or a checking out, right? So it's not even, it's not a true softness. Um, mm -hmm. and I feel that in, again, in my own process, right, we could, you know, not comparing softness to the opposite of harshness, right? Because if, if my response isn't true softness, right, what is, what is a better response? And we've kind of talked about this notion of a divine masculine and a divine feminine, which mm -hmm. perhaps we will have to unpack, uh, at some point in the future, yeah. um, in case that's not familiar to those who are listening, um, but yeah, even thinking about how can I bring my own softness that comes from a very deeply rooted, grounded place yeah. that is just very vulnerable and open, but also in a certain sense, impenetrable. Um, yeah. Just so opening and welcoming. Well, can I ask you a question about your own process within that? Sure. And we're going to have to turn it back on you. <laughs> softness, yeah. Well, I think, I think that you bring up a really good point. So my reaction, that level of rigidity or tension... Um, for me, based on my past experiences, does take on almost a um, a masculine 
protective, defensive, mm-hmm. almost harsh quality. And some, like, I think that's more internal than always external, although Brian has had exposure to that in a more external form. But most of the time, it's just internally. But there is a sort of um, masculine quality to that defensiveness mm-hmm. that, that I've had to embody in past situations to protect myself. Um, and... I'm grateful that I I learned how to do that in the situations where that was required for my safety. Like, that's a good thing. Like, thank you, Past Ariel, for that protective masculine defensiveness because it is what, um, in a lot of ways, um, helped me get out of situations wherein I was not fully safe to be myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I say all that to say, and this will lead to my question, that's not the case for everyone. Like, based on your situation, the way that you default to protect yourself will look different. So it's mm-hmm. not always a harsh defensiveness, right? Like as you're saying, for you, it sounds like it's more of like a withdrawal or passivity or like I need to protect myself by pulling away. Mm-hmm. But my question for you is, um, would you say that, this is sort of a basic yes or no question, then I'll let you maybe elaborate on it, but would you say that when you feel the need to withdraw, pull away, shift into a more passive mode of being, that that still comes with a sense of rigidity or tension in the body or a sense of closing off. Oh, it absolutely does. There you that's, go. That's what yeah. I was sort of pointing exactly, at earlier when yeah. I was saying that there's, I have my own version of like a, a resistance. Yeah. Um, sort of this internal stubbornness, right? Instead of, instead of, externally putting up a wall Mm -hmm. i internally put Mm -hmm. up a wall Mm -hmm. um which we were just referring to this earlier if anyone's familiar with the enneagram um kind of comparing the 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 personalities of eights versus nines and i i identify more with the nine the peacemaker eight is is um i think colloquially referred to as the challenger and eights eights are very much um they, they're very direct and they don't like to be told what to do. This is kind of an oversimplification, but uh, and can be very externally walled, I guess. Dominant um, masculine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, nines more like wanting to keep the peace, often retreating into our own internal worlds, but have a very similar response to s- similar situations. Like we don't really like being told what to do, um, but we put up this kind of internal wall uh, that that doesn't have much expression a lot of the time or more in more unhealthy uh, behavior patterns. But um, it's just interesting to sort of observe yeah. a similar response, but expressed in very different ways. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do agree. I, I've, I have noticed very much like there is a, a very strong rigidity and resistance that mm. comes with certain situations uh, there. And, and yeah, when you dig a little bit there, um, I think there is there is a sort of a desire, a similar desire for connection, or even, um, I guess there's a fear sort of of like your own safety. Yeah. Right. If you're sort of being met with a sense of harshness or directness that that feels uh, sudden or maybe unwarranted based on your own internal narrative. Yeah. Um, but but if you're able to pause for just a moment, I think you can still see underneath that there is still like a desire for safety and peace and connection, which yeah. you're, what you're talking about. And so it's funny yeah. that, you know, if you could sort of zoom out even f- further from the human experience, both responding to a situation in a way that might feel different or off, but underlying our, our, our rigidity and our fears is this kind of a shared softness that it really mm-hmm. is wanting the same thing. Yeah. Um, but we just so often miss each other there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for elaborating on that. I, I figured that would be your answer, but I think um, it was good to hear a little bit more around that, especially because, you know, I, I'm sharing some of my experience, um, but I think it's important to be clear about the fact that this sort of rigidity of the heart that Pema Chodron is is expressing here isn't just a sort of like defensive, protective, masculine, harsh quality. Like mm-hmm. that's not only what what is being meant here or what is meant here when we talk about that rigidity. Like that rigidity can look any like any form of sort of closing off, which um, 
so thank you for providing an example that's sort of on the other end of the spectrum of like that withdrawing or mm -hmm. like or or pulling back out of self-protectiveness i think that's really important um to identify that that rigid response that tenseness in the body can come in many different forms mm -hmm. in terms of how it is then expressed mm -hmm. um, or internalized or both um yeah so thanks for sharing more of your experience there absolutely yeah um yeah uh i know that again going back to really the the nature of the softness or the the digging through the the rigidity finding the underlying fear mm -hmm. and finding the softness underneath um i think it's interesting as well to consider um how really going back to the notion of we develop these responses to past situations and then we can see in certain current situations where maybe that isn't necessary anymore, even yeah. though that voice can still be very strong. And yeah. we, you and I experience this often now, and it's something that we're talking about. <laughs> totally. Because, um, for me, right, we, we've just uh, discovered a new word for whenever I start to kind of build up my internal wall or feel a sense of resistance, turtle shelling, <laughs> like a turtle <laughs> sort of retreating into its shell because it doesn't quite feel safe. Um, but really getting into this idea that leading with softness from a sort of divine masculine or feminine stance invites a very similar response. Mm. Because often if we lead with a certain type of behavior, it can be it will be met with that certain type of behavior. Yeah. And so if there is a sense of rigidity that and and maybe a sense of harshness that we respond out of yeah that often will elicit the same response from the other person however it might manifest whether it's met externally and you get into a shouting match or in our case maybe it's my own internal rigidity and wall that gets built up and yeah. so it's a different different uh dance there but but similar sort of uh core elements and so instead if if we can come into a situation or at least expressing my own desire of oh is there a better way that we can go about engaging this where I don't turtle shell mm. and you can find that place of softness to respond to if you feel safe? How, how has that process, I know it's still new, but um, how does that sit with you? Do you still feel the struggle of, am I safe? Can I be soft? Do I just not want to be soft because <laughs> screw this? You know, what, <laughs> what is sort of your experience of leaning into this on a very practical level? I mean, it's very vulnerable if you, I mean, and I would, I would venture to say that all of us have learned behavior patterns, um, based on past experiences that are, are now outdated, even if they weren't unhealthy to begin with, we are just constantly evolving. And so recognizing that we don't have to carry and implement the same protective barriers with everyone in our lives is a very vulnerable process, right? Because a lot of times, like in, in my specific case, I'll just use that as, as the example here. Um, I learned a lot of protective defensiveness to protect myself, to ensure that I was safe, that there was enough distance between me and, and some people in my life that I didn't feel like I could be uh, like I was fully safe to be myself. Um, and so, right, that behavior of learning to protect myself was a necessity for me at one time to, for, for my own sense of safety. Um, and so now being in a situation, like being around people, um, being in a relationship, being at a place with my family, with the friends in my life where I don't need that old behavior pattern to be safe i just am safe without it now when i try to implement that it can cause problems and in the case of, of brian and i here literally this is the, the new term that brian mentioned of turtle shelling if i come in with that defensive protective sort of masculine energy that is not needed anymore the impact that that has on, on Brian is to turtle shell, to withdraw. So now we're both in a defensive mode that looks very different for each of us, mm. but we're in this defensive mode and meeting each other in that place. Um, and so 
yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of, of patience and a lot of, um, gentleness and self-compassion, which we talked about. Yeah, always. We talked about that a lot in the last episode, um, the necessity of gentleness and self-compassion because me beating myself up and, you know, saying to myself like, oh, why am I still behaving this way? Isn't helpful. So meeting that moment with first and foremost, of course, this is the natural response that you have to this. Of course, this is, um, how, how you want to react to protect yourself. Uh, but then recognizing that the process then is like, okay, that makes sense that you would want to respond this way. First and foremost, of course, mm. of course, this is a behavior that you're implementing right now because you have a, you had a feeling of unsafety and this was the way in the past that you would protect yourself. That makes sense. And then beyond that to, to then ask myself, okay, well, let me, let me just look at that carefully and question it just a little bit. Um, am I unsafe? Is it necessary for me to defensively protect myself right now to stay safe? Oh, it's not. I, I'm safe. If I learn, if I can apply that lens and say, okay, wait, but am I actually unsafe and realize, oh, wait, no, in my relationship with Brian or with these friends or with my family, I actually am now safe to be myself, to express that, to just be then I guess I don't need this old behavior. But there's still this learned feeling of like, but that's what's keeping me safe. And if I let go of that, maybe I feel safe right now because I'm protecting myself. And if I remove that protective barrier, maybe all of a sudden I won't feel safe. That's a scary proposition to be like, if I let, if I let this barrier down, mm-hmm. what if I'm wrong? What if I'm actually not safe? That's terrifying. And then, you know, it takes some practice. And if you are in fact safe and can like gently set that aside, it feels really vulnerable. But luckily if you, if you have people to practice new ways of being with, um, as we do, Brian and I with each other, or as I do with some of my friends where I can say like, you know, this is old behavior and I'm trying to shift in this way. Um, we can slowly learn, okay, wait, I am safe. I don't have to enact that old behavior um, and can choose a new way of being. And yeah, so that's, that's a, it's like a, it's the long game. I mean, all of this inner work is the long game. It Mm -hmm. takes patience and consistency and um, being again, really gentle and self-compassionate throughout the process. Because um, as Brian knows all too well, even though I've learned over the past few years of being together that I am in fact safe in this relationship, that old behavior pattern is so strong. It came up today (laughs) and it's softer and it's not as loud and it's not as, you know, it's so much quieter than it used to be. But that trigger of like, I'm unsafe, I need to protect myself, yeah. still comes up like years into now being with you. And so it does just take a lot of patience. Um, yeah. But I want to circle back to kind of what you had said about meeting someone in that soft place. Mm. Because, you know, if we're looking at these protective behavior pat- patterns and realizing, oh, this is an old behavior that I learned when I was unsafe, but now I am in fact safe that requires learning a new way of being and and shedding that. And the truth is, if that was a learned behavior, what's underneath that? What's my natural state without the defense mechanisms? If I had never learned, if I had never felt unsafe, which I don't know if that's a real human experience. I don't know if any human on this planet has ever gone they're like, you know, growing up. Degrees of safety. Right. There, there are de- definitely degrees of safety. But like, let's just peel back that layer for a second and say, okay, if I had never felt unsafe to just be myself, what would that version of me look like? How would they engage in situations that make them a little uncomfortable? How would they respond when, you know, something comes up between them and their part? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what would that really look like because the truth is like and I think that's a really healthy distance we need to create between ourselves and that rigidity and that anxious response is like that's a learned behavior that's not actually me that's not the Mm -hmm. core of me that's not that is something that I learned out of a state that was not ideal I think if we can get clear on that or recognize that then there's some some healthy separation I am not my defenses I don't have to be defensive. That is something that's learned and that I can unlearn. Or I guess neuroscientifically, you actually can't unlearn something that's not possible. 
but you can learn new ways of being, learn new behavior patterns, create new neural pathways that will um, sort of overrule past behaviors mm-hmm. and become the new the new the way default. of being. The yeah. new default. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, let me have some healthy distance from this defensive reaction. Remember that it's not me. That's not my innate way of being. And then what is? Which comes back to the whole the whole uh, notion of softening. Mm-hmm. Softening isn't to say, oh, you need to be more feminine. That's not what this is about. If you know me personally, you know, like, this is definitely not what that's about. I've had a lot of exploration around my own expressions of femininity and masculinity, mm-hmm. and it all belongs. But there is a balance that feels innate. Mm-hmm. And whether you identify or feel more dominant in your masculinity or more dominant in your femininity, the softness is, is really outside of those sort of constructs or outside of yeah. those like realms of being the softness underlying is is more to do with um that innate way of being before the defense mechanisms built up and slowly working our way back to that place that is inherently softer whether that is represented feminine in in, in the divine feminine or in the divine masculine or in some most often beautiful amalgamation like of, of all of it um and yeah i want to i want to say i want to say more there um really coming back to to one point that you made that i i really also want to drive home which is that i thought that coming into that softening would give up my power mm. I thought that returning to that natural state or coming to that soft place would give up my power. And to be honest, that's still a voice that I hear that's like, like if someone comes at me in their anxiety, in their anger, in their frustration, in their hurt, and they're speaking to me out of that place, the natural reaction is to also switch into your own protectiveness and out of and respond out of anxiety, anger, frustration, whatever else. And so I, I felt, I kept feeling, and even now I still sometimes feel like, well, if I, if I sink into my knowing, if I sink into that soft place and they're still operating out of like this anger, anxiety level, that I'm going to give them all the power because they're going to be the one shouting and I'm just going to be the one sitting back like, oh, I'm letting them shout at me metaphorically or literally. But, and I'll just be honest, this is something that, again, I'm still in process with. But what I found recently in exploring this is that when, when I can be anchored in that grounded place, in that softness below the rigidity, below the fear, anchored in that softness, when I come to someone from that place, first of all, um, it's very powerful. The actual feeling that I have in it is very powerful not a powerful and like a dominating toxic sort of masculine sense power like and and even societally like how we would talk about power but in like that softness that is like you could yell at me you could say anything and i'm just gonna stay grounded and i haven't necessarily experienced this myself but that sometimes does piss people off Oh, for sure. Like if they're in their anger and in their anxiety and they want you to meet them there and you're just like unbothered, like truly so grounded that you're like, yeah, I could see the defense mechanisms wanting to bubble up and mean wanting to make me meet you on that level, but I'm just going to hang here and I'm just going to stay myself. That is a power that like bothers some people, to be honest, uh, because the notion is like meet me at this level. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I found so far when I can anchor in that, in that soft power, in that grounded place and come to someone from that place, the coolest thing happens. Not all of the time, but more often than not, in my limited experience practicing this, the person that I'm coming to in my own softness, in my own groundedness, will come to me in their own softness and yeah. their own, and I'm like calling that out in them. For sure. I'm like, we could, we could be up here and do the anxious, like angry, like communicate that way. Um, I'm going to be down here though. If you want to, if you want to come meet me in this grounded place. Um, and I know Brian, I don't know if you can speak to this. I feel like this has a direct impact on you. Like when I come to you in that soft grounded place, instead of 
pushing you or, or causing that turtle shell reaction or any other sort of defense mechanisms in you, would you say that that also causes you to like soften and come to and meet me in that grounded place as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I know that it's it's still a work in progress as it always will be. Yeah, this is new um, for me for sure. Because <laughs> there's sort of, yeah, there's sort of that immediate yeah. like, um, like if I'm not expecting something to come up and then it's like, oh, now there's, here's a thing that kind of disturbs my inner sense of peace or whatever we want to call it. Um, there is, I have my own initial reaction yeah. of like, oh, like maybe get like a little resistant or defensive. But again, having that awareness and being able to widen the gap between some sort of uh, event and our reaction to it, even if you start to find yourself responding to it in a way that feels defensive, however that is manifesting, to be able to catch that and give yourself a little bit of time to mm. you know, rewind a little bit. Yeah. Um, it definitely makes it a lot easier to do that and to to find that place of uh, mutual softness or groundedness, kind of yeah. that place, you know, in, in the ocean underneath the torrent of waves on the surface, but where underneath it's mm-hmm. relatively calm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely just makes the process a lot smoother. Yeah. Um, in terms of working through some form of conflict. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. There's a question I was going to ask you, unless you had any more on, on that specifically. No, that's um, it. Yeah, basically going back to uh, the the desire to respond to a certain situation, perhaps out of uh, defensiveness and wondering whether or not you're safe. And we have, um, we'll say, many years of practicing responding in a certain way Yeah. that as we become aware of it, realize, oh, this isn't, this isn't really helping me or I feel, um, actually, I feel like, many people might describe their experience of this differently when you become aware of how you respond to a situation and see like your defense mechanism yeah saying, this okay, is holding yeah. me back or maybe someone directly calls it out there's there's something going on where it just feels like it just doesn't fit anymore and you mm. can see ways in which it sort of is limiting the ways in which you can relate yeah it's sort of this this boundary or container that is too small yeah um but really going back to the uh, idea of safety and do I feel safe and if so can I choose to respond or relate in a different way or am I actually not safe in this situation yeah right? which is still totally possible right and discerning between those two which again there's kind of degrees of safety and right like we've been together for a little while now and so there there is a level of I guess trust that it comes with okay I've never exploded or, you know, reacted in any sort of like harsh way that might give, you know, some credibility to the part of you that wants to respond with harshness. At least I'd like to believe that's the case. Um, you can you can confirm or deny here. Wait, you mean that you haven't proven in our years together that like I need to protect myself? Right. Like yeah, I've yeah, proven yeah. that you're you're safe. That I'm safe. The, yeah. There's a good you track have, record sure. of like okay, and this is, yeah. Um, anyways. But really getting to, um, like, how do you discern between the two mm. and really bringing in your intuition mm. versus what might feel more egoic, although it is kind of automated. Yeah. In so many ways, we don't even think about it. It just happens, For right? Sure. Which, which makes sense. React. Literally what's going on mm-hmm. uh, neurologically and physiologically around the signals that are being sent based on certain information skip the part where we get to think about how we want to respond to this and our body is already responding to the situation before we even are aware of it. Yeah. And so we have to, you know, build up our own yeah. our own um, gap in a sense there and sort mm-hmm. of practice like, okay, I can relearn that this situation doesn't necessarily have to put me into this state. Yeah. Um, and when we catch ourselves in that state, we can sort of walk it back a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah I, gu- I guess to turn this into a question, do you feel, do you feel like you've had any experiences where there has been a difference of, um, granted this is new, a new practice in a way, but 
differences in discerning like, oh, intuitively I am not safe and I need to respond in this sort of firm defensive ground versus we'll say in, in perhaps conversations with you and I, although those are inherently more intimate and vulnerable, but um, situations where you can tell, okay, this is just my natural automated, perhaps egoic response trying yeah. to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great question. I, I honestly love that we're having this conversation because um, I wish that I had come across all of, all of this kind of language years ago. Like if I, I'm, and I, I know that it was out there. I just didn't know about it, you know, but um, so I love that we're talking about it. And I, I will say it is, it's really hard to tell sometimes. Mm. Am I safe? And this is just an old protective defense mechanism that's being sort of triggered um, or am I actually unsafe and I should maybe remove myself from the situation or react protectively because I need to protect myself. Um, I think that sometimes that can be really hard to tell. I'm going to, I'm going to use an example literally from today, right before we started recording this episode. (laughs) It's fresh. Um, Yeah. Something very brief and small came up between Brian and I that poked for me at something that made me feel a little unsafe. And it was very minor, but anyone listening who has their own sort of triggered emotional responses knows that it can be something really small that just like all of a sudden you're like, am I safe? And when we say real quick, when we say unsafe, can you expand mm. upon that a little bit? Because so wise. I feel like anyone listening to this week could be like, is she in physical danger? <laughs> right? Oh, just, you're absolutely right. There's different flavors. I am safe. so glad you called that out. Okay, so um, there are different types of, of safety. What I'm speaking to right now in my experience and in my relationship now, as I'm talking about this example with, him, with Brian and mm-hmm. I, is um, a safety to be seen to express myself and trust that I will be heard Mm. and to trust that the person that I'm speaking to is going to respect me Mm. and not yell at me Mm. or gaslight me. Mm. So the safety that I'm speaking to that's often triggered for me is more of an emotional safety in being able to express myself. And there is some overlap within the realm of, which I don't want to get into this too much right now, but sort of, bleeding into emotional abuse mm-hmm. where there is like this realm of like, I might not be in physical harm, but I, I might be made to feel small. I might be yelled yeah, at. Oh, I might be sure. chastised. I might be um, gaslit into thinking that whatever I'm feeling is wrong. Mm-hmm. There of course is also other safety, which we're not really speaking to right now, mm-hmm. which is more in the realm of physical safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to clarify. I'm so glad that you asked me to point th- to talk about the difference because that's really important. Um, physical safety is 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 definitely another category entirely um, that we're not going to speak to too much in this episode. But I do just want to clarify that um, when I talk when I'm talking about safety right now, I don't mean physical safety. And I also will provide the caveat that. Um, if you are, if anyone listening is in a situation wherein you are physically unsafe, I am not asking you to close your eyes and check in and be like, hey, maybe I'm just making this like, if you're physically unsafe, um, that is a whole other scenario. So I'm not asking you to pause and meditate in the midst of that. Yes. Um, so I, I, I think that differentiates for now. We won't go too much more into that, perhaps in another episode. But for right now, for yeah. the rest of this conversation, when I talk about feeling unsafe, it's more of an emotional safety mm-hmm. to be, to express myself, to know that I will be respected thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Great question. Thank, <laughs> thank, thank you for clarifying. For, thank you for asking me to. Um, I would hate for that to be misinterpreted or misunder or like someone to hear that out of context and think that I yes. know something else. So I appreciate you calling it out. Um, Okay, now back to... Something small came up right before we recorded where you did not feel... Yes. So right before we started recording this episode, um, something small came up that poked at that feeling of being emotionally unsafe. That made me um, feel like, oh, wait a second. Do I need to protect myself? Am I emotionally safe? And um, 
when that happens for me, uh, it is a very physical feeling, right? When something gets triggered, um, the whole body in response to try to, right? The brain is interacting with our, our bodies um, and our bodies are trying to speak to us to say like, are you in danger? Do we need to get out of this situation? And so um, it can be really loud in that way, even if it's something small. So what I will often do when I when I'm have that feeling and I'm wondering, am I safe? Um, I'll pause and close my eyes and kind of check in and ask myself a few brief questions. First of all, I check in with my body. How does my body feel? My entire body is tingling and feels really uncomfortable. It's not a fun feeling. Even if I like, I'm like, I'm pretty for certain I'm safe right now. My body's like, we're not sure. And it's like kind of an overdrive in yeah. case I need to run, in case I need to like the whole fight or flight experience. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, do we need to be ready for that? Um, and so after I check in with my body, just kind of notice what's going on in the body. The next thing I'll do is I'll sort of ask myself, okay, well, am I unsafe? And in this instance, I was having a conversation with Brian. Okay, I can recognize something was poked at. But when I say, okay, am I safe with Brian? Have I, and then the next question is, have I ever been unsafe with Brian? Has Brian ever done anything to prove that I am not safe with him? And sometimes if you have already been, if your fight or flight response has already been activated, these questions are nonsensical. If your prefrontal cortex is offline because you are in fight or flight, you won't like asking these questions isn't possible. Um, I mean, you can't ask yourself them, but they'll sound like nonsense. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you'll be like, I won't go into this too much, but of course, like the prefrontal cortex is where all of our logic, our rationaling or rationaling, <laughs> rationaling. I'm over here. Rationaling <laughs> our ability to rationalize. To, to make think, sense to of, to think, to yeah. articulate ourselves. Yeah. When we are in true fight or flight, the prefrontal cortex cuts out. It goes offline. Yes. Prioritizing parts of the brain that are better at protecting us. It's a very bizarre sensation. To, so bizarre. To get that awareness. We've talked about this before of when we early on, when we would have conversations that were very much just trigger land central and we were both <laughs> offline in our own ways yeah to then have that awareness of wow i literally can't think right now i don't know what to say which is a problem because we're trying to engage this thing but like i'm present but i can't i can't move and that is a terrifying feeling yeah. if you are someone who's trying to who's been in an unsafe situation an emotionally unsafe situation and now you feel like you might be unsafe again and your prefrontal cortex is offline. It is, it can be so hard to tell that if you're safe or not, because the part of your brain that would help you determine if you're safe or not has gone offline. Um, and furthermore, articulating yourself yeah. either to yourself or to the person you're trying to talk to is nearly impossible. It often make that situation worse. It just makes it worse. And so I just want to say, I, 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 Brian and I spent a lot of, like we spent like a solid at least six months um, in, running into a lot of my triggers. Thank you again for hanging out with me and helping me with like, look at that with some compassionate curiosity. Worth it. Um, oh, you're so kind. Um, stop. You're making me blush on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, that's a really hard place to be. And I just feel if anyone listening is in that place or has been in that place, um, I just like really empathize yeah. with you. That place is so hard. It is. I've talked to people recently who are like, how do you even tell? Like, how do you make sense? It's so hard. Slowly. 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 Lots of self-compassion. Again, um, sometimes we can't tell. Sometimes it's just so confusing, mm -hmm. especially when you're in that fight or flight and your prefrontal cortex is offline. Um, and so... I need to move on from this point, but I'm just feeling a lot of empathy. Yeah. And, and I hope, I, I know from my own experience being in that situation, I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of, um, what's the opposite of self-compassion and gentleness? I was very hard on myself. Yeah. I made myself feel really bad about that. I was like, I would literally go home after those experiences with Brian where, where I would be in total fight or flight, absolutely triggered. Um, I would go home and, and often, if I didn't have the anxiety attack in front of Brian, I would often go home and have the anxiety attack after because I would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm. What, like, what is your problem? Brian's a lovely person and you are acting crazy. Like I would gaslight myself. I'd be like, why? And I didn't mm. know that that's what I was doing yeah. to myself, but it was so confusing. Um, okay. So that's, that's all I'll say about that for now. But I just, again, empathize. If you were in that place that there, 
it, it does take some gentle effort, but the more compassionate you can be with yourself, the more gentle you can be with yourself, the more understanding. Again, that phrase, of course, or that makes sense, I use on myself all the time to help put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Of course you'd react defensively. Mm -hmm. Of course it would be confusing. Your prefrontal cortex is offline. So the more understanding and compassion we can give ourselves, the more we can get through that. And then, like you said, it's a slow process. Yeah. The more you just give it the time and the care and the curiosity, it, that really helped me saying, wait a second, instead of like, what the hell's wrong with me saying, wait, but actually what's going on here? Like, this is actually kind of interesting. If I can look at this like a psychological experiment, something yeah. weird is happening. Yeah. Can I get out a magnifying glass and be like, yeah. what is going on here? Instead of like, what the hell is wrong with me? And taking that more compassionate curiosity yeah. or the lens of compassionate curiosity um, slowly over time, that lens helped me be able to pause yeah. and uh, extend that gap between there's the poke, the trigger, the, am I safe? The, my defense mechanisms want to rush in. But the more I've been able to look at it with that compassionate curiosity and been, and be gentle with myself and patient with myself, eventually over time, now I can sit there and say, wow, my body feels so uncomfortable. It's ready to go into fight or flight. But before, let's just breathe. Has Brian ever proved to you that he's been unsafe? Do you know how to take care of yourself without going into overdrive, defensive, protective mode? Oh, yeah, Brian actually has always proven to be safe to me. Oh, yeah, I, I actually do know how to take care of myself without this yeah. hyper-defensive, protective mode. Slowly over time, that process becomes more viable. Yeah. just takes time. Yeah, and obviously at the beginning of that process, right, when, when – I mean, we were – you knew me kind of before then, but obviously, um, when when you enter into a, a relationship with somebody, that's the stakes are a little bit higher, and you ultimately we don't go know. A like, too. like this is new territory now, right. and, and, and our friendship or relationship um, sort of crossed this threshold into like, all right, well, now we're going a lot deeper with each other. Yeah. Um, and you don't know like what 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 other buttons I might have underneath the surface of you know, a friendship where I can keep most people at a, a safe right. arm's length distance. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, well, well I haven't tested this. Like, we, right. ha we haven't gotten into a situation where, you're, like, you felt unsafe. And, like, how do I respond? Do I yell? Do I run away? Do I Yeah. Do I lock up? You know, who knows? Right. Um, that unknown is scary. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. so I think I also want to call out that, um, right, because this work is hard. Ugh. <sighs> So and so hard. is not doing the work, honestly. We just read a quote today that was kind of about, you know, it, in a way, yeah, whether you do the work or you don't do the work, it, it kind of, it's hard either way. Um, and so yeah, why not choose the one that ultimately feels, feels better in the long run? I but, will say it does feel worth it. As yeah, hard as it sure. is, it's, it's, it's yeah. just as hard, I think, to not do the work, to just let it all happen to you. And I feel so much more myself that's obviously ever evolving and in, in some ways the self is an illusion but I feel so much more at ease I feel so much um, more expressive more mm -hmm. creative uh, everything every yeah. area of my life has has gotten better as a result of of mm -hmm. doing all that inner work as hard as it was mm -hmm. as absolutely yeah. terrifyingly hard as it was yeah um yeah same I agree. Mm. Uh, but yeah, one, one, one thing that I was going to call out real quick yeah. uh, for, for anyone that is kind of in this situation or if I could go back and speak to either of us at the beginning of our relationship, <laughs> um, which, which I sort of see in retrospect, it really is like, all right, those moments are hard and there's definitely like, we had a lot of conversations and I'm sure our own thoughts of like, are we like, is this worth it? Should we still be together? You know, right. Like, this is, this is kind of bumpy. Um, but really to see, to, to know that whatever, for most of the situations that we're referring to, right? Like if you get triggered and it's not necessarily um, a, a, a critical situation, right? It's like overall, like I am safe or I'll be safe eventually. Like your, your body will calm down. You might cry for a couple hours. Like it might be the next day and you're gonna feel exhausted, but you'll at least feel out of that space, right? Yeah. And you have a little more clarity. Your yeah. brain has come back online. Yeah. And all I would say is like, even if in the moment you did not handle the situation the way that you want mm -hmm. to, right? 
offer yourself a little compassion there yeah um and gentleness but just show back up yeah to show to show back up and talk about what happened and and really come at it with a sense of how can we do this better and come to some sort of resolve as as little as it can be or as much as it can be right um repairing whatever sort of rupture might have happened that is how you build the momentum to continue doing this work and letting go of these responses and establishing new ways of relating just have to keep showing up yeah repairing that rupture which is hard but that's that is that is those are the dots that connect that allowed me to look back and say well every time we've had one of these Mm. rough nights or moments right we've always come back together and have found a way to reconnect and I found a way to get a little better at it for the yeah. next time. And a that, little better for that, the next time. That is such a mm. promising thread that runs through our entire relationship, mm. which I hope I hope other people have or can find. You know, sometimes you have to cultivate that. Yeah. Actually, you always have to cultivate that. But yeah. I just wanted to mention that. So. Oh, I love that. I think that's when we were talking this 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 whole podcast, right? Is really like, okay, how do we take all this inner work and say, and, and bring this into our external world, make it in a way sort of like practical like let's mm-hmm. let's put this into yeah. practice let's do better now that we uh, what's that my angelo quote um you do the best with what you have mm-hmm. and when you know better do better mm-hmm. so there's this like mm-hmm. okay you know part of showing up is saying i'm going to choose mm-hmm. to um go back through that experience as painful as it was with the fine tooth comb and say like, what nuggets of wisdom can I pull out of that experience? Even if it made me feel embarrassed, even if it was uncomfortable, painful. Uh, like I said, I feel a lot of shame coming out of those, but like, what, what does that even have to tell me about what's going on? But combing back through those experiences, looking for those pieces of wisdom and saying, okay, knowing what I know now, a little more than I did before then, yeah, what can I, what can I do better? I think is, is such a good cause. I'm, I'm glad you, you pointed that out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I know that we've been trying to tell a story and we've taken a few tangents. That, As always. That is just how these conversations often yeah. go. But did you want to bring it back to that story? Did you feel like there was, I don't think we actually finished it. Um, oh, yeah. No. And then we can move on to yeah. kind of like a, a meditative practice to bring us to a sense of softening and mm. wrap it up, if that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds great. No, I think I think that story was really just to illustrate... Um, the, the way that it still happens for me, even years into mm. working uh, to not respond or react really in those protective defensive reactions, um, there is still a process of, of listening to the body, of asking yourself questions, of trying to dig into the intuition versus the defensive reaction and understanding that. So think that came to a natural conclusion um the only other thing that i will say though is that um one thing that i found in this process which is is actually a great segue into sort of an offering of a meditative practice that anyone can try Mm. one thing that i observed in the process of noticing that rigidity of the heart that sort of like anytime that defensiveness or that anxiety or that anger bubble to the surface looking for the fear below it and then looking for the soft place below that. What I noticed is that soft place below the fear, below the rigidity, really felt like my natural resting state. Mm. Like it wasn't just like, oh, let me soften and melt and like come into my feminine. It wasn't anything in particular except for that it felt like me. That soft place, that desire, that grounded softness just feels like me and I personally could recognize it as that grounded resting state of me because of my meditation practice so when I meditate I'll just be honest it's a lot of distracted thoughts there's a lot going on in my mind um but in between the noise of my own thoughts the noise of different societal pressures that bubble up, old memories, thoughts about the future, the to-do list. Beneath all of that noise, when I meditate, I have these occasional moments where there is this resting place that I can sense. Sometimes even while the thoughts are still happening, there's this grounded softness sort of below it all. 
I love the image that you used of um, like the ocean waves. Mm -hmm. But if you go deep enough below the ocean waves, there's sort of just this like water that's just like is kind of floating. Mm -hmm. There's that sense. It's like, yeah, there's waves up there. There's thoughts up there. But that resting softness, that grounded softness below it all exists. And I could feel that sometimes when I meditate. Mm -hmm. And so when I did this practice of, oh, here's the rigidity. Trace that to the fear, trace that to the softness. The softness was just me underneath it all, which I think is really beautiful and really fascinating. Um, and another reason why I keep trying to push meditation on everyone. I don't really, if it's not for you, that's okay too. There are other mindful practices, um, ways to be thoughtful and, and contemplative or have contemplative practice. But I really do think meditation is um, one of the best and honestly not that it's all about this but the most efficient effective ways of getting in contact with that that truer essence below mm -hmm. all of the noise that is within us and from that place is so much insight is so much compassion is so much so much beauty really and so um i'm just going to lead right into the practice that i would recommend yeah um if you ever feel like giving this a try um and 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 want to try this process of acknowledging the rigidity, the fear, and looking for that softness, here's what that could look like. So next time you feel any of that rigidity in your, in your experience, and again, that could look like anxiety, that could look like defensiveness, that could look like a closing off or a desire to withdraw or to put a wall up, protect yourself. Next time you notice that feeling, if you are in fact safe, I invite you to just pause. If you can, maybe even close your eyes and just notice, okay, what, it, what am I feeling right now? Where do I feel that in my body? Does it feel like rigidity, like closing off? And just take a moment to acknowledge that feeling. And then in that place of acknowledging that feeling, of letting that feeling be felt, ask yourself, what fear is beneath this rigidity? What fear is underlying this defensive protective response that I'm having? And then just give yourself a moment. There's a chance, maybe nothing comes up, but there's also a good chance that some sort of fear, it just immediately makes itself known, becomes apparent to you. And once you've noticed that fear, first I invite you to extend a little bit of compassion, a little bit of understanding towards yourself. Maybe say, oh, of course I have that fear. That fear makes sense. It, may, it makes sense that I'd be afraid of that. And once you've extended that compassion and that understanding towards yourself, then I'd invite you to say, okay, show me the soft place below that. Ask yourself, what is the soft spot behind that fear? And again, pause for a few moments. And just notice what comes up. Often for me, that soft, that soft spot speaks in the form of a desire. There's some desire that I have. Often that soft spot also carries a physical sensation. So check in with your body at that point. When you're looking for the soft spot, notice what you feel in your body. For me... That soft place, that soft spot often feels like a rootedness or a groundedness in my low belly, in my sit bones, in my legs. Like I feel this sense of like groundedness to that softness. But it'll feel different for everyone. So just take a moment and see if you notice any sensation in the body. And then from there, see if you can just rest in that soft place and that sense of groundedness for a few more moments. If you have the time, maybe even take a few minutes to just sit with that feeling of softness, of that feeling of groundedness. And that's it. 
The rest is up to you. From that point, you get to decide if the situation still calls for you to respond reactively. Maybe you do feel like you need to protect yourself. That's okay too. But if that soft place, if you can locate that soft place, maybe you can act from that place as well. Just notice, again, from that point, it's all up to you how you respond. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for asking me some questions. And thank you all for listening and letting you share my with you my process. It is indeed a process. So always. Always. A lot of work, a lot of gentleness, a lot of patience. For ourselves and each other. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, as always, we are hosting some community conversations and meditations um, that are on Sundays typically. Uh, But you can find more about that on doyouhave.space. So come there, come join the conversation. Let us know what thoughts or practices you have that have been helpful in your own journey. And until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Mm